Welcome to HR Matters, a podcast to learn more about people topics that impact your organization. I'm your host, Diana Barrera. For over 20 years, I have been helping businesses get better results and higher ROI by navigating complex people's matters strategically. Today, our guest is Danielle Moore. Danielle Moore is a partner in the Labor and Employment Department of Fisher and Phillips LLP, a national law firm with over 30 offices. Danielle focuses her practice on counseling employers on labor and employment concerns, including limiting financial impact on their business and getting ahead of litigation, but also represents them in lawsuits if needed. In addition, Danielle has founded and co-chaired the Fisher Phillips Women's Initiative and Leadership Council, which mentors and supports rising women attorneys in which all of their office partake in. She earned a BA from the University of Southern California and her JD from George Washington University Law School. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Today, we are going to be using the term restructure for more than just reductions in workforce. Restructures are also org design changes with reporting line moves and a scope of jobs modified or eliminating some jobs but posting new roles. So when thinking of laws that impact all type of organizational restructures, what are the key laws to consider today, Danielle? Sure. Well, thank you for asking, you know, this is a, a time in our history where there's a lot of discussion about a recession that's coming. There's a lot of change. And for the first time in two years, really since the pandemic started, I'm hearing from my clients and employers out there that they're going through a lot of restructuring, a lot of reduction of force. They're trying to get ready in light of the uncertainty that's coming. Um, so I'm doing a lot of this counseling right now. And I would say that the laws that impact this discussion, any kind of restructure or reduction, really kind of fall into three main categories with kind of three subcategories. <laughs> um, so I'd say first, first and foremost, there's a law called WARN, um, W-A-R-N, and there are some state versions that are very similar. And, and essentially what they provide is that if you're going to do any kind of mass reduction or layoff or furlough that at a certain size, you have to give employees a good 60 days notice or pay those wages. So that's the first one. And obviously um, it can really impact anything you want to do because it builds in this 60 day time period. The second big bucket is the age discrimination bucket. There are two kind of key laws there, one called uh, the ADEA and one called the OWBPA or the Older Workers Benefits Protection Act. And what those say is basically that if you're going to offer any kind of severance agreement or any release to a group of employees that you're parting ways with, um, that you have to disclose information to them. They have to have a certain time period to review the agreement certain time period that they can revoke the agreement. And then you have to tell them the positions and the ages of the folks that you are parting ways with so that they can look and determine if there's some age concerns there. 
That's the second major bucket. Um, and then the third major bucket is in the discrimination world, right? And so under uh, Title VII, which is the federal law, there's also very various state laws that protect employees in kind of two ways. There's um, disparate treatment, which means you cannot discriminate against somebody based on their protected category, be that race or gender or age or religion or whatever it might be. But in this context, there's a second piece, which is called disparate impact. It has nothing to do with the employer's intent. It's strictly about when you are restructuring a group of people or terminating a group of people, is one particular uh, minority group or protected group disproportionately impacted? And there's real risk um, if that is the case. So that's the other bucket that you really have to think about uh, when you're going through any kind of restructuring. In terms of subcategories, there's, there's a whole host of other concerns you have to think about, like you know, the labor code and requirements for when you have to pay final wages, if you have to pay out any vacation or sick leave. There's COBRA, and if you have to provide you know, COBRA notice and pay for any COBRA. And then, of course, if employees have any equity in the company or they have any employment agreement, then those are things that you also have to look at as well when you're considering you know, changing their job or um, potentially parting ways with them. And that was a lot. Uh, there, I guess to, to summarize it, there's a whole bucket, uh, a, whole, a whole bunch of different uh, buckets of laws that are triggered uh, when you're going to approach a restructure. So, Danielle, you mentioned on the first bucket, WARN. Tell us a little bit more about it. Well, like I said, there is a federal WARN Act. There's also um, in different states, there's some state versions. So you have to be really careful about knowing where the employees are that are going to be impacted. But then depending on which more law you're looking at, it is designed for um, some of your larger employers, depending on if we're talking about state or federal, either 100 employees or more, or 75 employees or more. It's triggered when you're talking about reducing or laying off um, at least 50 or more employees. So this isn't a small uh, layoff. This is meant for bigger, uh, bigger layoffs, in, including a substantial number. But if it is triggered, either because of the size of the employer or the number of employees uh, that you are impacting, then it obligates you to give 60 days notice um, before that termination. And you can potentially go ahead and act sooner, but pay out the 60 days, including benefits. A lot of employers will do that. But in a nutshell, it's designed to give the employees time to adjust to the, to the change and to the transition. In your uh, number two bucket, you spoke about age and the Older Worker Protection Act. Is that applicable to all size of employers? It's a good question. It is triggered anytime, well, anytime you're going to ask employees that you're parting ways with to sign a release, um, which normally means severance. Anytime you're going to provide severance to a group of employees and two or more are over the age of 40, that's when it's going to trigger. What key cases or trends have shaped the landscape in the past few years? 
That is um, also a great question. We've really seen an evolution um, and things change uh, kind of pre-COVID, uh, during COVID, and since COVID. You know, during COVID, the layoffs and restructuring was um, on almost an emergency basis, right? People were trying to deal with this pandemic. And now it's different. Now they're facing uncertainty and restructuring and thinking proactively about the health of the business, a little different than on the emergency basis of a pandemic. And so I've seen an evolution of the cases as well. Before COVID, cases kind of surrounding and about COVID, and now kind of the most recent. And I would say that the cases um, trend-wise really fall into kind of two key areas. The first one being the disparate impact that I talked about in regards to the layoff or the restructure having a disproportionate impact on older workers or on certain minority groups or on women or some other protected category. There's been um, a slew of cases from the EEOC where the EEOC found against the employer to the tune of three or four million dollars because the group that they selected for the restructuring or the reduction in force were disproportionately impacting a particular protected group. So I I definitely think that that's a trend. It has been before the pandemic. It certainly is now. And then coming back to Warren, you mentioned, um, you asked me about Warren. A lot of employers are unaware of when Warren is triggered. And there were some places in some states where during COVID, you didn't have to comply with Warren because of the emergency nature of what was going on. And so now employers that are going through a restructuring or a reduction now, I think they still have that co- pre, that COVID mindset in a way. And so they may not be thinking about Warren or making sure that they're complying with Warren. Um, and so we're starting to see a lot of cases along those lines too for those wages that employees are, are owed under the Warren Act. Related to the first trend of bunch of cases you referred to, then what should employers do to keep the selection process of individuals impacted in a restructure legally sound? Yeah, I, I wish um, that all employers would ask that question first before they jump into a restructure or a reduction in force. There's a few things um, that I would convey. First, you need to have a plan. This isn't, I will often get calls saying, I want to do a restructure on Wednesday, um, you know, two days before. Um, you really need to build some time and think through all these different areas and all these different buckets of laws. And you really have to have a plan on how you're going to approach the, re- the restructure. The most important part of that plan is how are you going to choose the people affected, right? That's the number one decision point because that's going to trigger all of those different buckets to the extent possible. The number one way you want to go about this is to choose based on an objective criteria. Um, Tenure is the most popular. You choose the people that you're terminating or restructuring based on the least tenure right? The last hired is the first fired. And that is always going to be your safest mechanism in terms of choosing the impacted employees. 
Another objective reason could be skill set, right? You're choosing for elimination those employees who don't have multiple skill sets while keeping those that do have multiple skill sets and can wear multiple hats to create efficiency. That's another one that I see. Where I think on the opposite end, on the risky end, um, where employers get in trouble is where they use those subjective criteria, mostly performance, right? A lot of times, especially the lower level managers will view this restructure as an opportunity to get rid of their bad performers. Normally, that's because the documentation about the performance isn't very clear. There isn't a whole lot of documentation showing the poor performance and it's subjective. And and we live in in a very um, pro-employee world when it comes to litigation. And so when you're choosing based on performance, there's you're always going to be subject to some amount of risk, right? That the employee is going to claim that it was not about performance. It was for one of these other reasons. And if you don't have clear documentation uh, that the performance was bad prior to this restructuring, um, it's going to be a, a tough case uh, to, de- to defend. So I would say that's that's most important is making sure you have a plan, you're thinking it out, and you're being thoughtful about how you're choosing the folks that are going to be impacted and to the extent possible using objective criteria and staying away from that temptation uh, to use it as an opportunity to get rid of your, your bad performers. What other considerations should be taken based on your experience? Sure. So there's a, there's a few things. Uh, we talked about disparate impact or um, a group of employees being disproportionately impacted, but that's not the end of the discrimination analysis, right? You also have to look at the micro level or individually at the folks that have been chosen for things like, have they recently been on a leave of absence? Are they currently on maternity leave? Have they recently filed a workers' compensation claim? Have they recently submitted a complaint about improper behavior? All of those things that then when they're chosen to be part of the restructuring or the reduction in force uh, makes them ask, well, was it because of my leave or my workers' comp claim or my complaint, right? Um, so those other risk factors, I think I would make sure to consider as well on the micro level. And then I think most important, and this isn't necessarily legal advice, uh, but practical advice that I think a lot of employers miss when they're going through a reduction or uh, a restructuring, and that is the messaging. How are you messaging it? And that means externally to the world, what is your story, especially if you're a public company, and what is your story to the world as to why these employees are being impacted and why you're doing what you're doing? Is it economic? Is it to create efficiency? Is it because the acquisition of another business? You know, what is that reason? And then what is the messaging to the employees impacted as well, right? So that they feel supported. And then also equally important What is your messaging to the employees that are not being chosen? Because a lot of times employers will go through a restructuring or reduction in force. And those employees that weren't impacted are sitting there thinking, well, when is round two? Am I next? 
And it can create this concern and um, really impact the morale of the business because they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. They don't know what to expect. And so there's a, a, a really important need to have either a town hall or send out a company-wide memo that kind of eases those concerns and gives the employees that are remaining with the company um, some level of comfort. Absolutely. That's very useful, non-legal advice. So thank you so much, Danielle, for sharing all your wisdom and knowledge. There may be people listening thinking they are looking into doing a restructure and would appreciate contacting you. Danielle, where can they reach you? Absolutely. As I said, I, I'm dealing with these issues for all kinds of employers a lot right now, and I'm happy to help. The easiest way is to email me. My email address is dmore, that's D-M-O-O-R-E, at fisherphillips.com. Um, you can also go to our website, fisherphillips.com. There's a whole host of resources. I just wrote an article about restructuring and recession, kind of the top things to think about. So you can visit our website and you can pull that, that article and some resources there. And then, of course, my phone number, my direct line at work is uh, 858-597-9616. And I'm happy to help anybody who needs it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of HR Matters. If you would like to get in touch with me, send an email to diana at rebillohr.com or by following the link in the show notes below. HR Matters is brought to you by Rebillo HR. You can find information on Rebillo Consulting Services on the website www.rebillohr.com.